say he's a technical whiz. Some say he was born in Cornwall. While some say he's on a journey. It's the journey. And here's your host, David Hackett. Joining me today is Kim Sorrell. Kim is a love for surprise and liberating definition that will alter and amplify your life author. She's lost her love to pancreatic cancer and her broken up embarked on a year-long quest to discover the true meaning of love. Kim has crossed borders, climbed mountains and charged headfirst into uncharted territories. So living love, giving love, Forgiving love, a fruitful, through sometimes fearful, failing and funny quest. Answered questions can be answered now. Welcome to the journey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. So you say the four-letter word. That is love. Is that how your journey started when you felt love properly for the first time? You know, love is a funny thing, isn't it? Like, I think. Something that we all know, we all think we know, but when it comes down to it, what do we really know about love? It's not like you go to the bookstore and there's a manual, you know, and we all read the same manual or you take a class on it and and that's how you learn how to love. You know, we learn how to love throughout our life. We learn how from our parents, from whatever influences in our childhood and our adulthood, and not everything we learn about love is right. And not everything that is done in the name of love is actually love. Mm. And so what does it really mean? Or what, what is love really when it comes down to it? It is a four-letter word that uh, will rock your world. It's a four-letter word that when we understand the true meaning of changes, how you behave, changes how you look at the world and look at other people. And mm. yeah. I've learned myself, and I always tell my listeners and viewers, because this will be uploaded to YouTube as well as the podcast channel, I always say love is what makes a person unique, because love for one person could be defined differently for another person. Now, love can be unconditional, but it can be unconditional to suit that person. Well, that's an interesting thought, David. That's an interesting way to look at it. I can see why you would think that. I think that we definitely love different people different ways. Like, you know, you're going to love your your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your significant other. You're going to lo- love them in a different way than you will your child or your neighbor or the woman at the grocery store. But the overall love, the love that I believe we should have for each other, the love that that I believe we should be, you know, I, I believe in God. And and John, John says that God is love, that God is love. So that means you can be love. That doesn't mean, um, you know, God gives love or God is loving, but is love. So if God is love, we can be love, which makes, takes love into a whole different category rather than being an emotion like fear or excitement. It's living and breathing and walking and talking. It's who we are, who we can be. Mm. And to become that, you first have to understand what love is to be able to really become love. 
Yeah. So your experience of love, I'm not going to go too personal because we have to respect the fact, but love for you started when and how did it feel for you? Well, uh, when I met my husband, I was 17 years old and um, I was going to be the first woman president of the United States. And so I had no desire to meet anybody or ever have children. I had my path laid out. I knew what I was going to do and knew what was going to happen. And then this 21-year-old stud, handsome, gorgeous, wonderful man crept into my life. And 10 days after I met him, I asked him if he would marry me. And he said yes. And I was completely head over heels. And against all odds, because you would tell, most people would tell their kids, don't get married when you're 18 years old. I got married when I was 18. He was 22. And against all odds, we had the greatest marriage. We had the most wonderful marriage. I love that man with my whole heart. And he was an incredible guy. And uh, losing him um, was devastating. You know, it's not what you expect. I was 47 years old. And we were going to be that couple that grows old together and is on a porch sitting in rockers and drinking lemonade, you know, and watching the traffic go by or the geese fly overhead or whatever. And that's what my life was going to be, you know, leading up to that moment, to those times of just together alone when we're old. And uh, everything changed. When uh, first I was diagnosed with cancer and four months later, he was diagnosed with cancer and passed away six weeks later. It was like uh, getting hit by a truck. And um, it just kind of made me question love and what love really is and what do we really know about it? You know, because if you can love so hard that it can hurt so bad, what, what is that love? Yeah. Like it's so, so tragic and devastating and so wonderful and incredible. How can it be? so opposite anything be so so completely opposite at the same time mm, i i know my i know i'm 38 and i'm knowing comparison i'm younger in many people's eyes for saying about love but love for me took me for a while to realize what it meant i was for so long in so many places trying to find love Try to be loved. But I learned you can't be loved by getting the attention. You've got to be loved for being you as a person. And I assume that is what made you and your husband unique because you loved him for who he was. You saw him for who he was. Even though you were young, you saw that love from the outset. Right, even with his quirky sense of humor and you know, quirky ways, whatever they happen to be, yeah, you, you kind of have to love the whole package, right? Even the yeah. things that you think make you irritated, you learn that, yeah, it's not really that irritating. It's all good. But I think that, that love in general, though, is for everyone. So it's not just with a couple. You know, it's not just what you found with your beautiful wife. It's not just what I found with my husband. It's, um, it's for everybody. And uh, and it's something we can be for everybody. But so I, I just, I thought I, I needed to figure this thing out. I just needed to figure it out. And so I decided that I would dedicate a full year to discover what love really is. Like other people have 
have uh, dedicated a year to live like Jesus or a year to cook like Julia Child, you know, or a year to whatever. I thought, well, I can do that for love. You know, I thought it was a big uh, undertaking because I sure didn't know what I was getting into. And uh, but I took this 2000 year old verse that most everybody has heard. I think um, love is patient. Love is kind, does not envy, does not boast. Here in the United States, it's said at a lot of weddings. And uh, I thought, well, I'm going to take one word at a time, one word a month. That was my goal and figure out, well, what is love that is patient? What is love that is kind? And, and in talking about not a romantic love, but love, just love in general, love, the love we should have for each other. And so uh, I quickly figured out that I couldn't do it in a year because there are 14 words, not 12. <laughs> so taking one word a month, the math didn't pan out. So it took me longer than a year, but what a journey. Most of the time I was in Haiti. Um, I do uh, humanitarian work and I was working in Haiti a lot at the time. And um, for the good part of seven years was there at least part of every month, uh, if not longer. And um, so that's where I was when I was doing my research, which gave a whole different backdrop than other places would give. You know, Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. It's a tough place. And I was working on this not that long after they had an earthquake that killed 200,000 people. And uh, so it was a whole different place to be. And my experiences were incredible, David. It was, um, I was chased by a motorcycle gang. I got lost on a mile high mountain with a medical student and it was getting dark. It was crazy. Uh, I slept outside with tarantulas and snakes and whatever. So I started each chapter with what I think it means, what is love that is patient, what I think it is. And then finish each chapter with the story that what happened, what actually happened in Haiti that brought me to the conclusion that I came to, to the knowledge that I gained uh, for what it, like love that is patient, what love that is patient really means. So it's quite an experience. And like you said, Haiti is a different world compared to the main, I'm not saying it's a mainland, but you know, the mainstream hustle bustle of main cities in America, in Europe, in England. It's a different culture. Right. Yes, for sure. A whole different culture. And, yeah. And, and a different culture makes it, I don't know if it makes it harder or easier, but it is a way to make you reflect a lot more in my opinion. It's, it's a harder place to live. I can tell you that then, you know, right now I'm sitting at home in Grand Rapids, Michigan and the Northern middle part of the United States. And um, here there's food in my refrigerator. Sometimes my tomatoes go bad before I eat them and I throw them away and always feel bad about that or bananas turn brown before I eat them. Um, I have water, I turn my tap on and I can put a glass underneath it and drink the water and the water's fine. I have a toilet that flushes. I have heat when it's cold. I have air conditioning when it's hot. And in Haiti, I lived with none of those things, none of them. If I wanted clean water, I had to get filtered water, um, buy a bottle or a bag. Of, of water from the street, uh, toilets. Um, most of the time I wasn't staying where there was a flushing toilet, a lot of times latrines or even just a hole in the ground uh, that wasn't even uh, 
over or under a latrine. Uh, a shower can be a 55-gallon drum of water that you get a five-gallon bucket of, and that's what you wash with, and that's your shower. And food is for today. You know, you buy today's food today and hope that you have money for today's food today. So it's, it's a challenge to live there. It's a lot more work to actually live in Haiti than it is to live here. But people are people all over the world. And uh, I just believe that if you can find love anywhere, you can find it in Haiti. And, and really, you can find love anywhere. And in Haiti, too, I think people rely on each other more. We live in this kind of hurried world where uh, we go from one thing to the next. We drive our car to the next place we have to go. You know, we're always kind of in a hurry or I'm kind of in a hurry to get to the next thing, the next place, the next whatever. And Haiti is a much slower pace. And part of it is because it has to be because like in Port-au-Prince, there's, it's a city with over 2 million people with infrastructure for like 40,000. So you go a few miles and it's going to take you an hour. It takes you an hour to get anywhere in Port-au-Prince, it feels like. And so it's, it's a different life, but it's people. And people are people are people. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about love is love recognizes the beauty in our differences and recognizes that people are not labels. Um, yes, you know, people are British or they're American or they're Haitian. That's not who they are. That's where they live, right? Or if you have a particular political leaning, that's not who you are. You know, you're David, I'm Kim. But everybody has a name. It's Patrick and Junior and, and Gertrude, whoever, right? Everybody yeah. is a person and we're all walking on the same ground. Our feet are all on the same, same land and we're all at the same level. And I think sometimes there's labels that are put on people that uh, elevate them or, or put them down one or the other. And uh, those are labels. Those aren't people. Yeah, you know, yeah exactly. We're, and we're I've, learned, I've learned myself as well. And it's a big thing that I've always been bugbeared about in all my life. I've always wanted to be, I'm David, look at me, I'm David. I want to have that label. Now, in recent years, thankfully, I've got out of being, I am David, look at me, I am David, wearing that label. But at the same time, when people do ask me, they ask me, how do you want to be known as David as this? Or David does that, unless they see me as who I am. And I assume from the stigma and labels of people of 18, this example, they want to be seen as they are, not as that person in the street, that person hasn't got many clothes. You know, it's not about that. It's about being recognized as who they are. Exactly, exactly. And love should not ever be conditional based on a person's status or wealth or a job or, or anything else, you know, love should be completely unconditional. Like I believe we're supposed to love everybody. And if you live that, if you live love, real love, and you love everybody, it is a whole different way to live. And it is uh, freedom like you've never felt before. It is so freeing to not judge to not have preconceived notions about somebody, to not um, 
be thinking about what you're going to say in response to what they're saying instead of really listening um, to not um, criticize, to not think that you can change somebody's life because we can't. You know, how many times have you ever been in a conversation, David, I'm curious, where you've believed one thing one way, the other person that you're with believes something entirely different than you believe, and you were able to change their mind? Not very often, but <laughs> I know the times I have, it's very rare, and that's only because it's been a discussion in the group. It's not as a one-on-one. If it's a one-on-one, I tend to say, okay, and I step back when I, and then I leave it on a neutral ground. But when it comes to group and it's a majority group talking, then, yeah, it changes for the better. Right. Now, now I know, like I said, I don't go into naming names or anything, but there is a situation at the moment where I'm having difficulties at my workplace. And this person likes to be the way they are and they do things the way they are but they'd like to be the way thinking the way they are they want me to be equally as them and I'm like no I can't be you but I want you to be better by being you but improve on being you but I don't want them to change but at the same time I want them to improve on themselves because it will do them good right Right. Yeah. And it could be something that, that you want, you know, something that we want to see happen. But the reality is we have no control over, right? Yeah. Like the person that, that at work, they are who they are. I, I believe that every day that we live leads us to today. So we are this pile of all of our past experiences. And so there are things that can trigger things, you know, or things that we behave a certain way because that's just the way we've always done it, or that's what was demonstrated to us by our mother, you know, or whatever it happens to be. And so unless you know exactly where somebody's coming from, it's awful hard to be critical of where they are now because it's what they know. It's, it's, it's been their journey. And we have so little control really over other people, the way they act toward us, the way they act in general but we have total, complete control over the way we behave and the way we act and the way we love. And if you love with an unconditional love, then you love no matter how they behave or act. You love no matter how much they give back to you or treat you poorly or whatever. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends. That's, that's not what it means. But it, it means that you don't hate. You can still love them and not appreciate their actions, that's okay. But in giving love and living love to somebody, it's amazing how people soften and, uh, and either walk away from you because they think you're crazy <laughs> for being really loved, for, for really living that life, or they gravitate toward you because they want to know what, how can they live this peaceful, wonderful life of complete freedom and that's what i want from this person i want that person to feel at ease i don't want that person to feel judgmental of how i am because you you know it's about how i am i don't go into how they perform as a worker yeah fair enough they have their issues that's their issue 
it's not my responsibility to pick up and say, I'm sorry, but there's, without, yes, they can get, be the better person. That's how I see it. And that's how I want to approach that subject. You know, I want them to say, yes, I can do it. I listened, I respected, I'm growing. And that's what all I want from anything. Anytime I've had grievances with anyone, I want them to grow from what they've learned. If it's sitting down and talking about it, or if it's just saying, okay, I accept it, and they get on and I get on. And then we just don't talk. It's amicable. Right, which in a perfect world, I think that's what happens. People sit down and discuss things and, and work it out. But yeah. of course, we're not in a perfect world. And the perfect and, world will be they, they would listen in this situation, but I know they, in this situation they haven't. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and two, you know, it's like a, um, from the outside looking in, we can think, oh, man, we know all the answers. If they just listened to us, their life would be so much easier, right? Like yeah. if they just paid attention to what we had to say, boy, they could be such a happier person. When in reality, a lot of times when we give advice, it's unsolicited. You know, people, people aren't necessarily asking for our advice. And so it can have the opposite effect of what we wish that it would have. Unsolicited advice quite often just sounds like a gong. You know, it just sounds like a, like, like you're better than, you know, love doesn't boast. And it sounds like you're boasting like, well, I know better the answer to your life. I know your life better than you do. I know the right way. And love doesn't do that. Love doesn't boast, doesn't elevate itself above others. And so to just demonstrate love to him, David, I would think is probably the key is that, um, you know, I think about things in my life and people that I've admired over time and wanted to be more like, uh, it's not because they were singing these big wise things or giving me this grand advice. It's because I saw how they lived their life and I saw their, their joy or how they treated people or, um, you know, wh whatever it was that you really admire about somebody. And it's in demonstrating that it's not, it was never like words that really came out of somebody's mouth. It was more the way they are, who they are, how they, how they are toward others. And that can be a long path when you're not telling somebody what you think when you're just demonstrating through your own life, how they could maybe live their life better. That uh, can take a little bit longer, but it's also a lot more powerful uh, when you see somebody's actions than just hear their words. Yes. And as you know, the title office series I do, it's for journey and everyone does have a journey and your journey is, like I said earlier, remarkable. And you've written a book, which it was released last November, Love Is, which I see in the background behind you now. <laughs> yeah, I have it right here too. Yeah, Love Is, yes. And so is this, how would you describe the book? Well, it is, it, it is what love is. It is my journey through uh, figuring it out. And so um, it is, uh, it's more than a year of my life. Um, not a, it's not a, a rainbows and unicorns kind of a love book. It is the down, dirty, nitty gritty truth of 
what I went through, what I got, you know, God had to hit me on the head sometimes and say, Kim, this is what this is. Don't you see it? Open your eyes. And so every month, whatever word I was working on, like starting right from the beginning, love is patient. I just, in my mind all the time for the entire month, I was thinking, okay, love is patient. Where is that? Love is patient. Love is patient. And I looked for it and I looked for it. And I thought patience, you know, we know what patience is, right? Where we're not honking our horn if we're stuck in traffic or we're not angry because we're ready to go and they're not ready to go and we're stomping our feet, you know, or whatever, that by not doing those things, that's showing patience. But like I said earlier, you, you put love is or love isn't in front of any of those words that are in that uh, beautiful poem and it completely changes the meaning. So patient is what I described, but love that is patient is so different. Love that is patient First of all, like I said, I believe you're supposed to love everybody. So love that is patient, loves the person that you're with in that you recognize that this moment right here, right now is the most important moment of your life. What's in the past is in the past. What's in the future is yet to come. That this is the moment and how easy you can lose this moment by not giving your full attention, your full focus to who you're with, which is showing them love. And for me, David, it has taken so much practice to, to walk that one out, to live love that is patient. It's so easy for me to get distracted in a conversation or think ahead of what I'm going to say or think ahead of a meeting I have later or notice a squirrel running by or whatever it happens to be and lose the moment, not give my full attention. I thought I was the greatest multitasker that ever lived. And I could think of three things at once and I could be in the moment and I could be, and it just isn't true. That's not love. It's not love to not give your full attention to who you're with right now. This moment's going to come and go. No matter what, this moment's going to come and go. So you might as well be in it and show that love that is patient. Because the Latin expression is carpe diem, you seize the moment. <laughs> right, so. right, right. Um. Yeah. So it says about, um, you described it about love as a crock pot, not a pressure cooker. And, <laughs> and you talk about five ways love can keep you calm in a chaotic world. Is that a thing that can be achieved easily? Or was it, again, through a journey process? You know, it definitely was through a journey process. You know, it wasn't like um, like all of a sudden I knew the answer. And so that I, I turned and flipped and I, I was able to live that way. Like it, it has uh, it changed my life so much that I want to be the love that I learned about. I work hard to, to be that love and it gets easier all the time. But uh, it's not an immediate change, or at least for me, maybe I'm just a slow learner, but it's, uh, it wasn't an immediate change because I was so programmed another way because I didn't know these truths about love. I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware of um, how in knowing them, my life could be so much simpler, more beautiful, uh, more complete, more, more complex and wonderful and great at the same time. And so I have had to work at every one of them. And so like starting with love that is patient, when I went into the next month, which is love that is kind, I was working still on love is patient and living like that and so on and so on. So 
by the time I got to the end, I was working on all the other 13 when I got to number 14. And, um, and it, it does take work because it's, it's a mindset. It's, um, it's changing what I thought I knew, what I thought I believed or what I thought love was and then now realize what it is. So going forward, what advice would you give the listeners, viewers, now for today? I would say to everyone, the more you can know about real love, what love truly is, the happier, uh, easier, really in so many ways, and freer life is, and so much better. Relationships change, everything changes when you really understand love and, and how we're supposed to live it and, and then live it. And I, I, my recommendation is find out as much as you can. Um, my book, I've done a lot of homework for you. <laughs> it was a lot of work. I went through a lot of things to get to the conclusions that I got to that I truly believe are, are right. And uh, every single one adds on to the one before and the one coming. And um, so getting my book or uh, thinking about it yourself, really looking for it, trying to figure out what love really is. Um, you know, you talk about uh, your coworker, David. Uh, there are people that are buying my book for like a coworker, not as a slap in the face, but more as a what a blessing to for anyone to learn more about love, you know, or to a neighbor or um, there's a family that uh, they got a book for all of their adult children. And they called me, this woman called me the other day. It was so wonderful. And they started out with the very first chapter. They all read it. And then they met over Zoom because they live all over the world. And they met over Zoom and they all discussed it. And then now for the next 30 days, they're going to try to live love that is patient. And then they're doing the next, the next one all together and the next. And what a beautiful thing for a family. And so I just think the more you know about love, the more you can live it. Because what you don't know, you can't do, right? Yeah, I agree. So where can people get your book? Uh, Amazon, um, bookstores. It's in bookstores in the United States. I'm, I'm not sure about other countries, but, um, but it is in um, brick-and-mortar bookstores here in the U.S. But on Amazon, I'm pretty much every bookseller online um, around the world, really, uh, love is, is available. And... Um, it's a simple title uh, that carries a punch, I think. And <laughs> <laughs> so just search Love Is on Amazon, for example, and you should be able to find it. And it's a right. blue cover of one, as you see. So nice right. and easy to find. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. should be easy to find. Kim, thank you for sharing your journey today with us. And every success and loving way to say, keep up the good work because love is amazing, love is good, and love for everyone will carry on being good. And I hope people will get your book and be inspired by you too. David, I so appreciate you, and I appreciate this opportunity and your listeners. And um, you just have such a kind, wonderful, loving spirit about you. And uh, I know things are going to be okay with your coworker and with everything else in your life. So thank you so much for this. Thank you.
was the journey hosted by wise words imaging hosted by david hackett produced by melissa hackett be sure to like subscribe and listen to another journey coming soon